So what do people, that's the title today, Leave Your Mark. What do people say about your level of generosity? What do people say about your level of compassion? Have you left a mark of love and a mark of generosity on the lives of people around you? Is that something that you would be known for? Now, I want you to think about this. So, you know, I do discussion questions every week. They're on the blog. This type of question is a great question for you to ask around the dinner table as a family night or among friends so that you just want to have a focus where you maybe take apart a little bit of the message that I'm talking about today. Maybe you attend one of our community groups that, that has those discussion questions, but they're available for everybody just so you can explore a little deeper what God's really wanting to reveal. And so I want, to just, I want you to think about what are you known for? Because you and I are called by God to be transformed by God and leave a mark of God's love and compassion in the earth everywhere we go. People should know us as generous people. I know this might sound a little odd, but when you go into a restaurant, waiters and waitresses should really look forward to having you in their section. Just because we're generous people, it's just the way we live our lives. And I want to encourage you to understand that. And as we look at this today, I'm going to pick up from where we were on our resurrection celebration two weeks ago when I began to introduce the concept of the church. How many of you know the world is largely confused about the church? You do believe that, right? But I want to just tell you why. Because the church is largely confused about the church. And we need to understand what God's plan for the church really is. And I want to take you into a portion of Scripture, let you see it from a perspective you've probably not heard. I've never heard anybody preach this. I've always heard the term uh, used, but I never really understood it. So I started exploring and diving in just to try and get the concept. And it's born out of Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 and following, where Peter and Jesus are having this conversation. Peter's talking to Jesus, and Jesus is saying, who do you say I am? And here, here's Peter's response. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you. You are blessed. Where was this blessing coming from? Because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So let's make sure we're understanding as we progress along and you just kind of see these verses hanging out there with us for a moment. God revealed something to Peter. Heaven was revealed in Peter's heart. And Jesus said, the blessing of God abounds in your life, not because man told you this, but because my Father in heaven revealed this within you. Listen carefully. God wants to awaken something within us to transform the world around us, and that's the way he does it. And the blessing of God begins to abound when we allow God to reveal something within our hearts. Blessed are you, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. Verse 18, very important. I tell you, you are Peter. Your identification will be born by having a revelation from heaven in your heart. You'll be mobilized to be who God's called you to be. And on this rock, what rock? On the rock of heaven being awakened in the heart of humanity, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God is about to take you. I, I, I'm, you you've not really heard me say this before, because I, I've, I've just sensed this so strongly. I want to very specifically say this to you. I didn't even say this in the 930 service. I'm talking to you individually. God is about to take you into a deeper place of understanding that he wants to awaken his purposes within you to transform the world around you. Palm trees don't grow in Oklahoma. 
because it's not the right atmosphere. I, I'm saying by the Spirit of God, I believe God is about to establish a certain atmosphere in this room that's going to cause some things to grow that have yet to begin to grow, and God is going to begin to awaken them in, your, in our hearts, in your heart. Will you, re, will you receive that today, and will you believe that today? Lord, we receive that in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you, Father, that your word is powerful, sharp, living, and active. We are not here to have a motivational speech or an optimistic message, a message of positivity. We are here because Jesus is alive and we have been drawn into the purposes of God. And you are awakening the revelation of heaven in our hearts so that we might be mobilized to be the church that you are building, that the gates of hell will not prevail against in Jesus' mighty name. We are mighty men and women of God. And we will rise up and be everything you've called us to be today in the name of the Lord. So Jesus is saying, revelation came from heaven. It was born in your heart. People didn't tell you what my God, what my father revealed. And you then are awakened as the church as a result. How many of you know Jesus loves the church? How many of you want to be like Jesus? then that means you need to learn to love the church. Jesus sacrificially paid the price so the church could be the church. You and I should be sacrificially paying the price so the church can be the church. But what is the church? See, there are three major entities in Jesus' day. There was the temple, there was the synagogue, and there was something that it was called the ecclesia. We've interpreted that word as church. But I want to make sure you understand something. The temple was a sacred entity. The synagogue was a sacred entity. But the ecclesia was a very secular entity. Now, we equate temple, synagogue, church, all three as sacred entities. But I want you to understand, when Jesus came and he opened the doorway for the Gentiles to be included in what God had entrusted to the Jews, he made all of us one big happy family, and no longer was it the case that the high priest who carried the order of ministry in the mindset or the expression of the temple became the ultimate expression of ministry. You need to know who you are. You need to know who God's called you to be. Jesus didn't say, so my God's going to bring revelation. My father's going to bring revelation. And when he does, and he awakens that in your heart, we are going to see the temple like we have never known the temple before. He didn't say, we're going to see the synagogue, the gatherings, like we've never known the gatherings before. He said the ecclesia is going to break out. Now, you need to know what the ecclesia is. Because in, in Jesus' day, everyone who heard him use that word, they knew exactly what he was referencing and what he was talking about. He, he was talking about what, uh, I've written it down so I get the definition right, a legislative assembly of citizens. This was not sacred, this was secular. A legislative assembly of citizens, ecclesia. And what would happen is Rome would go and conquer a territory. And when they would conquer the territory, then a legislative assembly of citizens representing Rome would gather in that space. And when just two or three of them, I'm speaking to you by Roman law, when just two or three of them would gather in that conquered space, then it was gathering under the authority of the presence of the emperor as if the emperor were there himself. Jesus is 
reiterating this two chapters later when he says, if just two or three of you in Matthew 18 gather together, what? I am there in your midst. He's saying, I am your king. This is conquered territory. Rise up and be the legislative assembly of the citizens of heaven in the earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will come on, help me. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. There is something violent about the church coming into the earth, pushing back darkness, taking up place, taking up residence, declaring, we are here. The kingdom of God is at hand. Depression has no place in this room. Suicide has no place in this room. Cancer is broken in this room. Sickness and disease and poverty must go. Jesus conquered the territory and released us to come in as the ecclesia. Eyebrows were probably raised when he purposefully chose this word to reveal his call and his mantle for the church. And we have not gotten this right over the years because we have had the perspective of the temple, of the synagogue. The idea of the church is invite people to come. I'm going to tell you something very few pastors will tell you, and I catch some flack over it for saying such a thing, but you just need to hear it loud and clear because it's absolutely the truth. We are not going to change society by getting people to be in our polished church services. Getting people to show up and polish up our church services is not going to change society. Society. You and I need to gather as the church to be inspired by God, to be empowered by God, to go in every walk of life and carry what we carry to release God's kingdom in the dimensions of government and business and education in every way. We are the church. We're not some impotent gathering of people that's just kind of in our little corner edge of, of, the, of the city. We're the church. <laughs> We are who Jesus liberated and empowered to go and transform the world everywhere we go. You're you're blank if you'll write this in. We're citizens of heaven with a purposed assignment of influence in a fallen world that Jesus wants to completely redeem by his love. Citizens of heaven. Citizens, the, 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 the notebooks on the end of your row have these cards. If you've not gotten it, that's your next blank. You have to fill in all those blanks to go to heaven. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you and I will never become all God has called us to be if we don't make his priorities our own. You and I will never become all God has called us to be. If we don't learn the priorities of God, do you believe that? That is such a statement, isn't it? How many of you want to become all God has called you to be? His priorities must become your priorities. And your life is supposed to begin to look like His more and more and more. So let me ask you again what do people say about you? How are you known? Because I'm really guilty of being very missional at the expense of being relational. Anybody like that? 
I'm very driven. I, I schedule things out. I'm pretty tight in my schedule. I try and fit everything I possibly can into the schedule. Anybody there? And then like you're rushing around. I've got to get this done. I've got to get that done. And, and like if you're not careful, then you're on your way into wherever you're going and the coffee shop stop where you run in and get your coffee. It just becomes a part of your, you know, legislative routine and you're just in there to get your coffee. And if they're too slow, you're real frustrated. Anybody here ever, you know, feel that way? You're just, you, I've got so much to do. Hurry up. If you can get my coffee, please. And Jesus is standing there deep within your heart saying, I'm compassionate toward this person. You have no idea what they've been facing all week long. And all you're doing is being demanding. And I want you to be patient. And I want you to be kind. And I want you to be compassionate. And I want you to be caring. And I want you to be me. To every person that you encounter, this is Christianity. This is the church. <laughs> so we've come into this season that we're calling secret service. And I want to challenge your paradigm in this season of time with some of the most profoundly spiritual things you can imagine. Like getting someone a cup of coffee, like mowing somebody's yard, like picking up somebody's trash, like helping somebody with a project. Profoundly spiritual things. Now track me on this. <clears throat> we have misappropriated the idea of ministry because we have aligned church into the sacred institutions. That's what I'm referencing when I'm saying Jesus didn't use a sacred expression for church. He used a secular expression. What he was saying is don't start thinking if you're not a high priest, you're not spiritually important because you are vital to the kingdom of God being spread everywhere you go all in your walk of life. We want to ask you to make a daily difference. Just to make a daily difference. Just like every day, do something. Make a daily difference. We want you to be inspired and empowered to become everything God's called you to be in this season that we're walking out. And, and, and I want to say, listen, guys, let's stop overcomplicating this. This is pretty simple. This is not that hard. There, if you were to, to, if you could travel the surface of the globe, it would be 24,700 and something miles, 25,000 miles, all the way around the globe. And the bottom line, it's overwhelming to think about changing 25,000 miles around the globe, change the world. But it is not overwhelming to think, change the world within a five-foot perimeter of my existence everywhere I go. When we say, take a moment and, and just get to know somebody, encourage each other, are you the type of person who stands there and waits to judge the church on if somebody comes to you? Or are you the type of person that sacrificially gets out of your space and goes to make it happen for someone else? Pretty important that we learn to get our mindset off of ourselves. Stop trying to get everybody to give us attention and learn how to express attention, affection, compassion, consideration in every direction in our five-foot circle, and we begin to change the world. When you bring the resource of your gifted life, would you all say, I'm gifted? You are gifted. When you bring the resource of your gifted life into the hands of Jesus, 
you will leave your world a better place. You, you will. And you just have to understand, the Bible speaks of our serving God, not man, even with our acts of service. Colossians 3 says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto God, not unto man. Give yourself to be fully devoted to making a difference in the lives of people around you because of your ministry to Him. And that is the most powerful ministry that you can give to Him is to serve humanity that He died to reach and love and serve and give and draw in, not just to attention, but a place of great affection. So let me just encourage you in this season of time, don't do anything asking or even hoping for anything in return. I want to encourage you to just perform some basic acts of service and don't do any of it asking or even hoping for anything in return. That's why we're calling it secret service. Secret. It's a secret, okay? So here's something you can do. Clean the coffee station at work when nobody's looking. I'm, I noticed that the dishwasher uh, hadn't been unloaded this last week, and the sign was there that said clean, and that means that it needs to be unloaded. And so uh, I thought, oh, I know. I'll be secret. Here's my opportunity. And so I unloaded the dishwasher. Did you notice? I unloaded, yeah. And, and when I unloaded it, now I'm spoiling the whole blessing because I just told everybody. <laughs> right? That's not what I'm talking about. Don't tell everybody. I know that they knew because I don't know where all the stuff goes. I'm, I'm like, okay, this is not going to be very secret. Like the Tupperware, I have no idea. I just kind of put it out there with a lid. So whoever finished that job, thank you very much. You, Lexi, thank you. So do something secret, okay? Don't let anybody know. Don't, don't use it in a sermon illustration to tell your whole congregation. See how much like Jesus I am. Woo. You ruin it. Arrive early. Leave late. Make an appreciation card for somebody going through a hard time and just get everybody in the office to write something in it with nobody really knowing who started the whole thing. Don't, don't take any recognition. It's secret acts of service. Just cultivating a compassionate expression in your life. Maybe rally support for somebody going through a difficult time. Do something just to help them. Nobody really knowing. Hey, who started this movement? You know who started it? Jesus. He started it 2,000 years ago when he decided to compassionately surrender everything he was to awaken something in the heart of humanity to cause us to be more loving, patient, and kind. That's the power of God. So I'm going to read this verse of Scripture for you, and I want you to think about this. I want you to think of it not from sacred entity. I want you to think of it from secular. Do you understand what I'm saying when I'm using those, that terminology? You got to get out of the sacred. We want to just try and get everybody to attend church. Uh, you know, you got to get out of that mindset. I, I'm glad, and this is why pastors balk at this, because I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad that you bring people here. But I just need you to understand, the reason we come is not to come. The reason we come is because we need to go, and we need to go effectively. That's why we gather. When, when gathering becomes the whole focal point, then we've really lost the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want you to think of this in terms of your everyday life and how this applies in, in daily action, okay? Actionable conclusions. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. I want you to understand, you preach so you read this from a sacred text portion of Scripture, and you think, oh, I'm not a preacher. That's a lie from the devil. You are a preacher, and in fact, your actions are the most powerful message that will ever be expressed to your world. 
The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison uh, of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. This is saying the Spirit of God is on me to help sad people not be so sad because the joy of the Lord is my strength everywhere I go. You have a smile to give. Why don't you just give somebody next to you a smile? You might just have one tooth. Show it off, whatever you got. You know smiles are contagious. I dare you. Next time you get in an elevator with somebody alone, just look at them. Don't do that. If you do that, tell them you're from a different church. I I need to just help you understand something, and we're going to talk about this next week. But all this ties into this concept, and I felt like I needed to expose you to the idea of it today. And this is the way it works. Anointing. Anointing. What's anointing? I'm anointed. Are you anointed? What does it mean to be anointed? Anointed literally means to smear with oil. It's a crazy word uh, when you start to break down what it really means to be anointed. It's like the Holy Spirit just pours over you and leaves a residual of oil as a result of His pouring over your life. In the Bible, it says the oil poured down Aaron's beard. You read that before? Drips off his beard, his clothing. Literally, Aaron would stand and be anointed. They would pour a flask of oil over the crown, very top of his head, and it would just drip down, pour down, and there would be an oil stain. Anyone ever have an oil stain in your driveway because someone come over your house? This is not that. This is a good oil stain. This is the anointing. It's poured off of your body, and now there's this oil stain. You're going to walk away, and there's going to be oil there. A residual of the anointing exists where you have stood, and where you walk, you carry that residual and leave it. Now, I want you to think about, now that you have that understanding contextually, I want to give you this verse, and we'll break it down next week more. When Job 29, 3 to 6, when his lamp shone over my head, and by his light I walked through darkness... As I was in the prime of my days, when the friendship of God was over my tent, when the Almighty was yet with me and my children were around me, when my steps were bathed in butter and the rock poured over me or out from me streams of oil. My steps are bathed in butter. How many of you have never seen that in the Bible before? I had never seen it. I've read it and not even realized it was there. You and I are marked by the anointing of God so that our steps release something of a mark in the earth that is an expression of heaven that will capture people's heart and draw them into the purposes of God when we do church right. The church in the hands of our risen king will truly change the world. The church in the hands of our risen king. Wow. It really matters whose hands our lives are in. This is why we're asking you, will you purpose just to make a daily difference? Just purpose to make a daily difference. Just every day, some some difference. 
We had an amazing production this last week. Our high school production and our junior high production one night, then the high school production the next night. That you can't see, but there's a big set over there and this big, huge platform up here. Our stagecraft class did all of that, and the actors and actresses just were fantastic. And I just want to say to you, Andy, wow, amazing. When you got up and hit that note, everybody started cheering. And I just want to say what a brilliant performance you put on this last week. Thank you very much for all you did in that performance and for everyone who helped that performance happen. Sorry to embarrass you, but people are looking. Raise your hand, Andy, so they see. Okay, if you want autographs, you can see Andy. <laughs> you know, it doesn't take very much to do what I just now did for Andy. Be specific. Be specific. And just offer some appreciation, some encouragement. See, criticism many times is much more powerful than appreciation because criticism is specific. When you're criticizing somebody, it's because you specifically are criticizing them. So don't just appreciate people generally. Appreciate them specifically. You know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to mobilize you to be the ecclesia, the church that gets beyond these walls, where we gather because it has been a priority Jesus has established, and we want to be like him. So the priority of our gathering is a really important part of what God's called us to do. But listen carefully. If we're not careful, we become Pharisees because we gather in the name of the sacred institution, and it's all about the gathering and how many times I've been here and where you've been lately, and I'm more... Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to use either of those institutions. I'm going to introduce you to a whole other concept, and this is the power of God demonstrated by the people of God who will infiltrate the earth with love. Love. So will you just purpose, purpose this week, if you can reach them, they're within the sound of your voice, within the reach of your arms. Extend some encouragement their way because we want to experience God's presence, but then we want to bring God's presence to real life. That's why you see this thing on your handout every single week. You know what GP2RL means? We bring God's presence to real life. That's what we do. That's why we always give you an actionable conclusion as we finish what God's stirring in our hearts. Would you stand with me? Anybody here just sense the loving conviction of God wanting to take you deeper today? Can I just see the loving conviction of God wanting to take you deeper? I just know He wants to take us deeper. Here's the thing about God. You never stop growing when you walk with Him. His wisdom is eternal. <laughs> he wants to take us deeper today. Here, here's the progression of the steps. It starts with a conversation. God wanted to have a word with you so bad. He loved you so much that he wanted to have a word with you, so he sent his son to be the word that would awaken the conversation, and that's the way it begins. You accept Christ for who he is, and it's not the end of it. That's the beginning. That just starts the conversation. Then God starts straightening out all your mess. How many of you got a mess? Here's the thing. Your mess doesn't necessarily go away, but God begins to adjust and diminish and help you alleviate the problem. This is what, this is what so often happens in, in, the, in the religious world that you and I live in. We pray and we receive Christ wanting Him to change our life, and we're even told that. Come to the altar. God's going to change your life. Let me just tell you something. God's not going to change your life. He's going to change you. 
And that's what will change your life. People get disillusioned. I gave my life to Christ. I thought everything was going to change. I'm still married to the same person I'm married to. I still have to go to the same job I was going to yesterday. He's not going to change your life. Stop looking at it from the outside. He wants to reach deep in your heart and transform your person. And you then will begin to change the world around you starting from the inside out. Hey! Father, awaken us to the purposes of God that are revealed in Christ to take us deeper into the eternal treasures that only you know, Father, you've purposed for our lives. So we surrender to you today. Some of us in this room maybe need to take a step of just beginning that relationship with Christ. Some of us in the room just need need to admit we haven't matured in many years because we've been too self-absorbed. Wherever we are on the spectrum of that journey, today, Lord, we want to take a step. One step forward. What does that look like in your life? One step forward. Just, just close your eyes and reflect on you. Where are you? One step forward. Your initial step is vitally important. And if you're here and you've not surrendered to Christ, who came and lived and died so that you wouldn't have to live under the bondage of sin, if you've not made that decision, I want you to make that decision now and initiate a conversation that will transform everything about your future. If that's you and you say, I need to accept Christ today, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Anybody at all? Thank you. Anybody else? Just quickly. Be bold. If you say, you know, I know God's taking me another step, wherever that is, I want you to lift both your hands as we just surrender to him. And let's, with hands lifted, lifted high, let's pray this prayer. Would you say this? Lord Jesus. Let's all say it together. Lord Jesus, you came, you lived, you died, but you're alive. You're the Savior of the world. You're my Savior. Be Lord of my life. Teach me to love like you love, so I'll be all you've called me to be. Amen, 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 amen. Jesus, you are worthy, worthy, worthy of our praise.